This week, the first pro athletes in Kansas City stepped back on a playing field since the COVID-19 pandemic hit. Sporting Kansas City players took it slowly, as you'll hear from veteran defender Matt Beasler on today's Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Thursday, May 7th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Also, you'll hear from Sporting KC President and CEO Jake Reed, who speaks to the financial impact of losing months of a season and how the game might look upon its return. But we'll start with Sean Goodwin, who covers Sporting Kansas City for the Star. We'll get his ideas about the resumption of soccer, not only in the United States, but internationally. After a break, you'll hear from Matt Beasler and Jake Reed, but here we go with Sean Goodwin. Sean, how you doing today? I'm doing right, Blair. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, um, so yesterday mm-hmm. we heard from Matt Beasler and uh, and then Sporting Kansas City CEO Jake Reed on a on a Zoom conference call because that's how we're communicating these days on mm-hmm. on conference calls, mostly on Zoom. Anyway, I thought they were both really interesting, and I think the the the, the situation is also you know pretty pertinent in the in the sporting world, um, just because. As far as I know, the MLS is the first American uh, professional sports league to resume practice. I know on a very limited basis. I don't know. I don't know of any place besides Kansas City, and I think I heard Orlando mm-hmm. started practicing yesterday in in a very limited way. But am I right about that? Is this are, are MLS teams the first of the American pro sports to to get back on a field? Yeah, at least of the American pro sports. Um, to go quickly off your question about the teams who are back, you've got Sporting, obviously, uh, Orlando, Inter Miami, Atlanta, and the Houston Dynamo starting today as well. Uh, but as far as I'm aware, those are the only five teams. But yeah, I mean, at least if the major American sports they're the, the first back, at least on the field. Now you talk to, you know, Peter Vermees or Matt Beasler and I'll say it's not practice, it's individual workouts, and we call it workouts for a reason because they're still, you know, they're still working in their own space by themselves, so to speak. But yes, they are at least back in the facilities. Right. And we're going to hear from uh, Matt Beasley. You asked him the question yesterday about that. I thought it was really interesting what he said about how they're. Uh, aligning themselves on the on the practice field, basically turn the the field into quadrants mm-hmm. and working on individual uh, individual skills. Um, w- what else is unique and different about uh, going to uh, for these players going to to practice? Uh, of course, they one thing that's different is they don't know when they're going to play again, but mm-hmm. at least they the facility is open and they're going back. And what what do you recall what Matt said about uh, the the uniqueness of the of the practice situation? Yeah, so uh, to kind of condense it, I suppose uh, the general, I guess, steps that players have to take is once they arrive, they have very designated parking spots. Uh, like they have three spaces in between each spot. So when they pull in, they're not by any other cars, any other players. And with Pinnacle, you know, it's a pretty big facility. They have two more fields, which is the two they're practicing on. So there's a, there's a training act next to the table by the entrance to those fields. So once a player pulls in, they have to sit there and wait. Uh, and the trainer has to say, you know, wait for everyone else to clear out. And he can call over the player. Uh, player, he pulls on some latex gloves, a mask, of course and then he can head over to the table. 
Uh, he'll get a temperature check, which of course, you know, something else we're not usually used to. So he'll get the temperature check. Uh, if he passes and it's all fine, then you can take off the mask, take off the gloves, uh, sanitize his hands and head to the field. Uh, once go up on that field, uh, the dimensions, we've basically got a 37 and a half by 60 box to work in. So Pinnacle actually accommodates three soccer fields, but they're just using two because they have the one at the back, which is a bit further away. So yeah, uh, as they walk in, you go to the furthest away box and then slowly filter closer to the entrance as more players come. And from there, it's just a lot of the first half is individual work with the soccer ball. Uh, Max says like doing keepy ups, and I'm sure you do all their close footwork stuff. And then the second half is more the fitness, so quick sprints and all their running exercises they can do within that box. Yeah, one thing I recall Matt saying, and again we'll hear from him in a little in a little while, is um, if if a ball leaves his quadrant, he goes he goes and get it. A, a teammate can't kick it back to him. Yeah, uh, it's one of the MLS guidelines stipulations, I guess, when we came out last week with uh, all of these rules that and protocols that teams have to go by, and one of those is no sharing of equipment, and that even includes soccer balls, just players using their feet. You know, these are professional players, so hopefully the ball shouldn't be um, going that far away from them too often, but if the ball does go out of their quadrant for whatever reason, they do have to you know, wait for any other players to leave that six-foot area, and they can go over, get the ball, and bring it back to their quadrant. So, um, like the other sports that are in in season or didn't complete their season, the NBA, the NHL, uh, Major League Baseball, of course, with having starting spring training but but not being able to complete it, mm-hmm. and the MLS did start its season. Everybody had played two games. Uh, there was some discussion, and, and Jake Reed will speak to this um, about how the MLS might look upon the return of competition. And one of the suggestions. And, and he emphasized it was only uh, an idea, a notion, and, and nothing, um, you know, n- nothing concrete. Is the idea of a hub city for for games, and, and we've heard that in other sports, right? We've heard yeah. the NBA maybe looking at Las Vegas uh, or the Disney World complex in Orlando, and baseball had. Uh, we heard earlier the idea of playing all the games in, in Miami or in Florida or Arizona at spring training, but that seems to have uh, there, there seems to be a different idea now, but. Um, hockey also, but but also uh, the MLS uh, seems like it, it it is at least considering the hub idea, and Kansas City could be a factor in that. How about uh, explaining that? Yeah, so uh, just talking purely from a, a basis point because I personally don't agree completely with the idea of hub cities. But if we're going to talk about if MLS does it, um, Kansas City is certainly an option. Uh, and that's purely because, one, obviously, the Kansas-Missouri area hasn't been affected as hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, but if you look at Kansas City, I mean, they hosted the 2013 MLS Cup and 2013 All-Star Games, so they've already worked well with the league. They can say, hey, we can host these big events and welcome all these fans and teams into Kansas City. Uh, another big thing that teams are looking at is... Obviously, you've got all these professional teams coming in. Do you have the facilities to accommodate practices and games for every single team, every single day? And when you look at the soccer facilities that Kansas City has, 
I mean, I know when I used to even play as a youth, because we'll be using like Overland Park Shields Complex and Swope Soccer Village and um, Wyoming Duck Sporting Complex. Again, mostly youth fields. But when we travel to Chicago and St. Louis and Milwaukee, people would say, wow, you're from Kansas City. It's kind of like, a, you know, you hear it's like a capital of soccer in the US. Uh, it kind of right. shows in the, the big, you know, grand and well-kept soccer fields here. So Kansas City definitely has uh, facilities to do so. Obviously, you've got the legends in downtown for hotels and accommodations. So Kansas, Kansas City is definitely an option if they go forward with it. Um, I guess me personally, I don't agree with the whole city idea. I can go into that if you want. Okay. Hey, so uh, I wake up every morning to uh, Korean baseball on ESPN, uh, and, and I'm enjoying it, catching the last few innings of a game from from Seoul or, or wherever. Um, and in another, uh, what, less less than two weeks, a little over a week, that we're going to uh, probably get the same uh, type of um, – you know, broadcast from Germany uh, with with soccer. The Bundesliga is is I think I saw the date. It's either May fifteenth or sixteenth for yeah. the restart of. And, I th- and is that the first professional uh, league to to resume soccer? Yeah, the first professional league will actually be the Japanese K League, and ah. it actually starts up tomorrow. Um, so you'll have the Japanese K League starts up tomorrow again. Yes, you'll have the Bundesliga starting up in a week and a half or so. Okay, and look, good sign, and and I, um, and and I think that's the that, that's what a lot of us in this country and, and a lot of us follow soccer are going to keep close eye on how how that works, right? I mean, what what sh- what should we be looking for? And, and are those games um, in Japan and Germany going to be played in empty stadiums? Yeah, they'll still be in empty stadiums. Um, I don't know a whole lot about the Japanese situation. I know of the Bundesliga. Uh, when they first started going back to full practices, which was a couple of weeks ago now, there were some problems with testing and that kind of brought things back a little bit. But they okay, sorted out that problem. So now they're making sure every player is tested before games. Um, and now that's sorted out. Yeah, it's the empty stadiums. It's essential staff only in the stadiums. Uh, I mean, it's, it'll be how you imagine it, really. It's going to be... You know, the players, the coaches, and I guess just essential staff here, like security around the stadium, and that's it. So you'll be able to hear the players and coaches shouting on TV. But apart from that, it won't be too different to what we're used to. I suspect when MLS returns, it will be similar uh, in, in, in a similar setting. So mm-hmm. Is that is that the idea? Yes, and Jake Reed said yesterday too. They'll be taking a look at how the Bundesliga does stuff and. You know, he says either good luck for better or worse at what they've done. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how Bundesliga plays out once they get back to action. But it's certainly one of the leagues that MLS will be taking a look at, especially if they do want to be one of the first leagues backing league play in the U.S. Very good. All right, Sean Goodwin covers Sporting Kansas City and the MLS for the Kansas City Star. Sean, good catching up with you. You too, Blair. Thank you, sir. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site 
and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, it was it was different, obviously, because we're we're limited in in what we can do. Um, I would say that it's it's what I expected. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you've been able to watch the protocol video yet, but it, it was it was pretty much just like that. I mean, we uh, we sat down as a team and watched that video together on Zoom and made sure everybody understood. Um, you know, the expectations and how things were going to run. And if anyone had questions, you know, that the questions were asked, but it pretty much went exactly, you know, like the video was shown. Um, and to be honest with you, it, it felt a lot better than I thought it was going to feel. Um, you know, I, I had questions myself um, going into this morning about just you know, going out to a field as an individual Um, just how much I would be able to get out of that workout. But I was blown away with just how good it felt to be back out on a field. So I think it's a huge positive. Um, You know, and I think, uh, you know, I think we all understand that getting back to games is going to be a gradual process. Um, You know, and at first there might be some rules and guidelines that that seem over the top. But if it means getting back on the field quicker, um, I think everyone's more than willing to follow because, you know, I personally got to feel what it was like to step on a field again and to wear cleats and to be, you know, outside and have a ball at my feet. And it was it was awesome. So I think it's a it's a really good step that we made today. OK, thanks. Thank you so much. Our next question is going to go to Felipe Cardenas. Felipe. Felipe, your line should be open now. Can you guys hear me now? We've got you, yes. Okay, awesome, sorry about that. Um, so, so Matt, yeah, as you said, being back on the pitch, it's gotta be great, but how apprehensive were you just considering the safety measures that are in place getting out there on the pitch and then have you spoken with your international teammates as well and what was their thoughts of going out today yeah so i i wasn't apprehensive at all uh, mostly excitement um, to to be able to have this opportunity you, you ask a good question about our our foreign teammates and that's something that we've focused on a lot during this time of just trying to communicate as much as possible because everybody's in a different situation and, you know, being in a foreign country during a time like this, uh, there's, there's certain challenges that go along with that. I also think it's, it's, it's difficult because the, the timing of when this took place is right at the beginning of the season. So we have a lot of new players that 
have just got to Kansas City and they literally just moved into their their new home or their apartment. So they've only been living here for about two weeks and now you know they've they've had to stay home and, and practice social distancing. And so it, it's just it's it's a tough time to to try and acclimate to a new city uh, where you're uncomfortable. But um, again, I mean, I think our team has done a really good job of of communicating. Um, you know, expectations and, and just making sure everybody is as comfortable as possible. Um, and if somebody isn't, then, you know, going through the, the things we need to go through to, to help them out. But I would say for the most part, um, everybody on our team is, is in. They're excited to, to be able to have this opportunity. Um, you know, I think one thing to, to kind of, I guess, mention is, is every situation is different. You know, so I can only really speak for what it's like here in Kansas City um, and, and the feelings that we have as a team. Um, other teams might feel different. Other cities have different rules and regulations and a total different feeling. But um, me personally, I am. I'm comfortable uh, returning uh, and I, I'm comfortable returning to normal life. And I think our my zip code that I live in you know, the last I checked, which was two days ago, it, it, it has seven confirmed positive cases. So, you know, for me, that doesn't seem like, you know, the risk is, is as high as some other places. Hey, Matt, thanks for doing this. Um, so just, I don't want to keep on making you answer the same question about returning to training, but kind of on a different uh, angle. And I know it's early, as you said, there's only the first day, but, but has kind of the, the plan been relayed to you as to how often you personally will be going to the facility? Is it going to be five times a week, three times a week, or uh, no, no clue yet? So it's going to be, it's going to be open for us. I believe it's four times a week. Um, not exactly sure what days those are, but if I had to guess, it could look something like, you know, Monday and Tuesday, you're able to go in if you want. Wednesday's off, and then two, uh, Thursday, Friday, you can go in if you want again, and then the weekend will be off. Um, again, I, I don't have confirmation of that, but, um, you know, I, I, I've heard that, you know, somewhere around four days a week. Um, again, I, I, I think, you know, I think it's the right move to, to open up our training facilities because we're, we're programmed to work out and, you know, like as, as professional athletes, that's, that's in our DNA. And it's, it's not like you can just tell us to stop working out and, I just don't think that's going to happen. And, you know, I, I, there's only so much you can do at home and eventually players, you know, are going to go and find another solution because, you know, working out is how we make our living and our careers depend on whether or not we stay fit. And so, you know, providing a safe environment for us to go and do that is, is to me a big step forward and, and one that totally makes sense. Thank you so much. Our next question is going to come from Simone Sandre, followed by a, uh, another question from Sean Goodwin. So we have, Simone, your line is open. Yes, hi, good afternoon. One of the conversations that's been going on in, uh, in Europe, in the U.S., and in different sports as well, is to obviously complete the season in, in, a, in a bubble. And I was just wondering if you as a player would be, do you think that's a possibility, that's a good idea? And would you be willing also to compromise your uh, quality of life by by going and living in a, in confined spacement without your, maybe without your family, would that be something that you, you you personally would be willing to do? And do you think that's that's something that would, uh, the the soccer community and the sports community in general should be thinking about it? 
Um, so I want to make sure I understand your question. So playing in a bubble, that would mean just like playing without any fans? Apologies. Uh, the, the, the bubble talk has been, has been made. The idea is to, to bring basically all the team in a single location, which uh, you know, there's been talking about the NBA, the MLB in, in Europe as well. Uh, basically having all the teams in a single, in a single location and uh, I guess you know, having uh, players staying with, supposedly without their family, but in a single location and play the games without fans in a single location. Is that um, something that you as a player would be willing to do? Do you think that's something that the player association would be, be willing to, to at least start the conversation about it? Uh, yeah, that, that's a tough question because there's just so many possibilities that, you know, we don't really know exactly what's going to happen. I mean, I, I'll go back to what I said before about just wanting to play as many games as possible and finish the season. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. I, I don't think we're going to be able to just snap our finger and start playing games in front of fans and have it be, you know, exactly like it was before all this. I think it's going to be a process, but, um, and again, I mean, if we have to play games uh, in, in front of no fans to start, you know, I don't think that's ideal. I don't think any better play games in front of fans than not play games, um, you know, with fans. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's interesting for us because, you know, there's other things that are happening around the world right now in other leagues, and we're certainly going to keep our eye on that. And I think – you know, what's going on in Germany and, you know, over in England and Spain and all the other leagues, really. Um, I, I think it's, you know, going to be a collective effort just to kind of see um, all the different ideas that people have and, and what works and maybe what doesn't work. You know, I, I do, I'm confident that whatever does happen and whatever the solution is going to be, um, I, I think the players' voices will be heard um, in terms of, being comfortable about returning to play. Um, I don't think the, the league or the owners are just going to say, all right, we're going to do it this way. This is what we decided. Um, I do think that there's going to be some conversation um, amongst everyone and trying to get the players input on, you know, how we feel about, you know, whatever the options are. Thank you, Matt. Our next is with Sean Goodwin, followed by a follow-up from Jeff Carlisle. Sean, your line is now open. Hey, Mark, what sorts of safety protocols or health protocols did you have to go through when you first arrived at Pingle this morning? I know that MLS guidelines are supposed to be kind of health screening and temperature checks. So just what did you have to go through personally before you even got into Pingle? Have you seen the video yet? I have not, no. Um... So the video would basically explain everything and give everyone a visual. Um, I believe they posted it on, uh, on MLS Talker website. Um, so we, we got to our facility and uh, first of all, when we park our cars, we have to park, there's designated parking spots for the players and they're like three or four parking spots away from everyone. So your car is just like sitting alone and then you have to wait in your car until you get like the okay from one of our trainers who's kind of like standing at this table. 
Um, that's basically to like make sure that, you know, no one else is around. Once you get the okay, you can get out of the, get out of your car. You're wearing a mask. Um, you go in and they take your temperature at this, uh, at this like table. Um, then after your temperature is taken, we, um, we washed our hands and then we were able to go back on the field. That was sporting Kansas City defender Matt Beasler, a 12-year veteran and team captain. Now let's hear from sporting president and CEO Jake Reed, who was asked about the financial ramifications of the lost time this season. Uh, significant, right? Borderline catastrophic, potentially. And then not just for us. I mean, you look at any of these leagues that are, you know, baseball is in the same boat right now, right? I think you... Um, you've got a model where, uh, particularly in MLS, you know, we're a lot heavier reliable on the, the local uh, revenues than maybe in NFL. We've got the massive TV broadcast where if you're playing closed door in the NFL, you're still going to have a significant portion of your revenues coming from the national broadcast. Although we've got a great deal with ESPN and Fox um, and they've been awesome partners. We're just not at the same magnitude. So uh, it's significant for us locally as a team. I and mean, we're looking at a very significant loss um, if we don't be able to play games this year and that's not any breaking news i mean you cut off our revenue streams and, and you cut off the ability to, to play games uh, where we're still having all the expenses that come with running a building and, and paying players and staff and everything else it's a uh, it's a challenge but I, I give our group credit they've they've been very supportive uh, through this process and i think the league in general has uh, you know the understanding that the sooner we can get back and start realizing some of the broadcast gas and sponsorship revenues, at least we can kind of check the box on some of those. But yeah, it's, it's going to be a significant impact for, for uh, as well 41, as um, wondering how individual workouts are going today, how, how they have gone, if you've got an update at all, and just the impetus behind starting those now. Yeah, it was kind of like, you know, kids on Christmas showing up to presents under the tree. I think getting back, everyone was super excited to just be there doing something right. Um, so uh, very well received, very exciting for the for the guys to get back out there um, and, and start at least doing anything right outside of their their home workouts that they've been confined to. So, listen, we got a long road back through this thing, but I think anytime you can have some positive momentum like we did today with with guys getting back to a, a soccer pitch and, and running around, uh, it was a, it was a great start. So exciting to to at least have something to uh, to grasp on. Can you quickly right explain the logistics of it all? Are they spaced out a certain way? What are they doing? What what how, how do these things work? Yeah, so one, I, I give Peter and his his staff a ton of credit. They've been the the league leaders on this thing, and frankly, have set the protocol for the rest of the league to to follow. So kudos to to, to Peter and company for for working hard to get this thing ready. Um, basically, think of four quadrants on the pitch, divided up equally. Um, you know, the guys then can do the individual workouts. There's a there's a, a million protocol that would take the rest of this call if I walked you through um, everything in, uh, that we have. But ultimately, safety at the forefront from everything from them showing up to social distancing on the way in to, to making sure it's one at a time as they're coming on and off the pitch, you know, even to the extent if, if uh if the ball crosses from one quadrant to the other, the other guy can't kick it back. That guy's going to run over and get it. So really have tried to eliminate um, any contact, any you know, cross-contamination with, with, with any of the, the guys. And so we're probably uh, way over the top on that. But clearly that's going to be the most important piece of this thing is making sure that um, the players and staff are, are safe through this process. Because if, if we don't get this part right, then going into a, a smaller group session down the road is, is just going to even be more delayed. So, so far, so good. Jake, you didn't mention anything about testing. Uh, are, are you doing testing? Do you have tests for everybody that's involved? 
we don't have we don't have tests for everyone yet. Um, I don't I don't actually don't. That's right. That's a great question. I don't think we've done testing yet, Robo. You may know if you want to chime in on this one as well. Um, we're trying to secure tests. Ultimately, if we get back to to the group stage, that'll be completely critical. We cannot go back to any type of group um, training until we have testing. But I believe right now, um, with the individual workout and having no interaction with anyone else and keeping everyone distance, we have not done tests. And it sounds like you don't have like a a date or the league hasn't said, hey, we've got them, they're coming. That that's still just an unknown. Yeah, correct. Okay. I. Uh, Anyone, I'm, I'm going to keep firing, so I apologize if somebody else is trying to jump in, go for it. But uh, a lot of the leagues are talking about, uh, you know, kind of hub playing, you know, the, the Disney and Vegas plan for NBA and everything with Pinnacle uh, and the incredible facility you've got there. Uh, is there conversations about kind of a hub startup and is, is Kansas City perhaps at the forefront of that? Yeah, definitely conversations. And we've had good talks about being in the mix, if that's the route they go down. Um, I agree with you. I think facility-wise and infrastructure-wise, we're as well positioned as, as anyone. Clearly, uh, Disney and Wild World Sports has a massive complex, which is probably um, best suited. But um, it, listen, from a hotel standpoint, when you got the downtown hotels with the Lowe's coming on board, which is brand new and no one's been in there, we've got plenty of, of hotel space if we needed it. Um, clearly out at the, the legends as well, if you want to be in proximity to the, the facilities, but between, you know, Swope, between Pinnacle, uh, we've got, I think, plenty of, of surface to train on. And that's just counting grass, right? If you expand it out to uh, the Wyandotte Sports Complex, to the Overland Park uh, Shields Complex, I mean, uh, uh, we, we can definitely do it. We've had great conversations with the league, no indication of, uh, you know, where we would be in, in the, the hierarchy there, but we're certainly in the consideration set if they decide to go to kind of a multi-city uh, type of setup. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Savannah Smith, Randy Mason, Beth Wells, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Sean Goodwin for dropping by and talking Sporting Kansas City. Links to the stories we discussed can be found in the show notes. Hey, and earlier in the episode, you heard me talk about the Sports Pass offer. It's still a good one, 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage. Gosh, you get all the Sporting KC, Chiefs, Royals, colleges. It's a terrific deal. Here's an even better one. Buy the entire Kansas City Star product. Not just sports, but news, features, commentary, analysis, the whole shebang. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, and the details can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. In either case, the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're supporting local journalism and helping us deliver products like Sports BKC, which will be back on Friday because this is where we talk sports in Kansas City every day. Mm-hmm.